Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover chapters 59, 60, and 61 in Alma. Uh, so it's going to be more or less just Moroni and Pohoran interacting back and forth with a letter uh, via letters. Chapter 59 is before the Moroni sends uh, a letter. He actually sends... The letter is actually chapter uh, 60. So 59 kind of is a setup. He's received Helaman's letter, which was chapters 56, 57, and 58. And there's some description of what's happening now uh, in the east side. So if you remember in chapter 58 that Helaman recounts that they had this great victory, the Lamanites end up withdrawing from that quarter of the land, which is the west side. And he says, I hope they didn't come to you. I don't know. Um, He said... We do not know the cause that the government does not grant us more strength, neither do we know, uh, neither do those men who come up unto us know why we have not received greater strength. Behold, we do not know, but what ye are unsuccessful, and ye have drawn away the force into the, that quarter of the land. If so, we do not desire to murmur. So he's, Helaman in chapter 58 was saying, we have no idea why we didn't get more strength. With some of the people who did come to us have no idea what's going on in Zerhelma, what we, And I don't want to complain because... We had a great victory over here, and the Lamanites just withdrew, and I they might have come over to you, and so I don't want to be sound like I'm complaining if that's what you're dealing with right now. So um, another thing I'd invite you to do is just look at the timeline on the bottom. This uh, timeline puts us back at uh, where we were in chapter 55. So they, it's you know, chapter 55 is when they end up getting a bunch of the prisoners back. They take the, the prisoners by strategy by putting in the weapons into the city surrounding by, so that's, that's what's just happened kind of on the east side. But then now this, in chapter 59, we're going to find out that the people who left the west side that Helaman was talking about did in fact come over to the east side and they're, they're pounded into these cities and there's a lot of them. And so Moroni's thinking, this is not good. And now I'm hearing that Zarahemla is not being very helpful. What's going on? Um, and he says, they knew that, uh, it was easier to keep the city from falling into the hands of the Lamanites than it was to retake it. And so he's getting nervous about what's happening on that note. Um, this is from Ezra Taft Benson. He just said, it is better to prepare and prevent than to repair and repent. We learned that from this. It's easier to take a city or to keep a city than to reclaim it. It's easier to prepare and prevent than it is to repair and repent. It is possible. Just it's more difficult, right? So, um, now the, they find this out, right? Helaman's, he's recounting all this. And when Moroni saw the city of Nephi was lost, uh, he was exceedingly sorrowful. They lost this big city. And the, the, uh, leaders, the generals, the captains, they, as I've recounted to you in a previous episode. These are good, good, good men. Moroni and Helaman and Lehi and Tiankum. And these are God-fearing men and who were principled. And But that doesn't mean that the rest of the people were. And so they start to be afraid of what's happening and says that they, they doubted and marveled also because of the wickedness of the people and this because of the success of the Lamanites over them. Iniquity is what brought this success, right? And so they, and they knew that. And so they were worried about what's happening and why it was happening, and worried about the wickedness of the people. Um, and what this says to me, too, is that this, you know, it's possible for 
us to be righteous, but to still have trials and troubles in our life because of the decisions of others. And in fact, that's one of the reasons we suffer um, heartache and go through trials in this life is because of the decisions of other people. And we can see that clearly here. So, uh, chapter 60, Helaman is, or Helaman, Moroni is going to lay into Pahoran. He basically, I mean, he says, Where, what are you doing? Why are you so lazy? Do you think, is it just because, is it because you're rebellious? Is it because you are, just think you're safe and secure in Zarahemla, that, that's the center of our land, and so they can't come and get you, and so you think that all is well in Zion? Uh, I mean, he he lays into him. There, can you sit? Can you think to sit upon your thrones in a thought in a state of thoughtless stupor, while your enemies are spreading the work of death around you? Yea, while you are murdering, while they are murdering thousands of your brethren, like you're just sitting there in a thoughtless stupor, don't even know what to do, and you're not going to do anything. Uh, my beloved brethren, for ye ought to be beloved. Ye ought to have stirred yourselves more diligently for, for the welfare and freedom of this people. Do you think you could sit on your thrones in the goodness of God and he'd continue to bless you? Um, and, uh, I mean, he, he, he lays into him pretty heavily. In verse 18, he says, Why should it matter? I say so much concerning the matter, for we know not, but you yourselves are seeking for authority. So earlier in the chapter, in verse 60, or in chapter 16, verse 15 ish, and 16, he talks about how the free, where there was the kingmen who had revolted back in chapter 51. Says, maybe, do you remember that? Do you remember those guys? And then he's speaking to Bahorin as though he's not one of them. And then in verse 18, he says, Maybe you are. We know, how do we know that you yourselves are not seeking for, for authority? We know not that. Uh, year, but we know not that ye are also traitors uh, to your country. So he says in verse 18, is it because you're a traitor and you are rebellious? Or in verse 19, is it that ye have neglected us because you, uh, ye are in the heart of our country and are surrounded by security that you do not cause food to be sent unto us and also our men to strengthen our armies? So in verse 19, is it because you're secure and lazy? So is it, is it your rebelliousness or laziness? October 2010, Elder Patrick Kieran of the 70 gave a talk called uh, Laziness and Rebelliousness, I think is what it's called. And he basically, it's about how we sin for two reasons. Laziness, we're too lazy to keep the commandment, or rebelliousness. We rebel specifically against a commandment. And in either case, we are wrong and we are in the wrong. Um... Now, one thing I want to point out as I'm talking about Moroni laying into Pahoran. He's laying into Pahoran thinking it's Pahoran. As we find out later in chapter 61, it's not Pahoran. It's other people. But Moroni's anger is just. Uh, maybe it's not just be at, at Pahoran. But as we find out, there are other people who are doing the exact things that, he, that Moroni is saying. And, uh, and so what, one of the reasons, and we'll get into this as we get into chapter 61 more, one of the reasons Pahorn is able to take it, uh, the way that he does is because he recognizes that Moroni is not mad at him. He's mad at the situation and the situation was caused by someone else. And that actually ends up answering a question that Pahorn has, 
But Pahorn has the wherewithal and the humility to recognize that the anger, even though it was directed at him, isn't really about him. It's about the situation. And he's able to turn that to Moroni and say, all right, I get it. And I'm at it too. Here's where we, here's what, here's where we need to turn our anger and the people who we need to go and get basically to solve this. But Moroni's anger is justified and is righteous anger here. Um, he says, now except you do repent of that which you have done and begin to be up and doing. Again, it's just this, this is, he's, are you lazy? Get up, do work, make effort. Um, so I, I do wonder this, this is another such an interesting thing. Keep in mind, so Pahoran, he took over, um, the king or the king being the chief judge about five years before this. Uh, he, and five years ago, by the way, was wartime. So it's like, how much does Moroni really know Pahoran as a leader? I don't even know. They've been in war this like for for this whole time. And so Moroni thinking, here's this guy, he's a leader. Maybe he's one of the kingmen. Maybe he got maybe one of the kingmen really got put in place here. And we've just been had in this this wickedness. So he doesn't really know. Um because this transition of power took place, like I said, in wartime while Moroni has been out battling. Uh, but one of my favorite verses from chapter 60 is verse 28. It says, Now behold, I do not fear uh, your power nor your authority, but it is my God whom I fear. And I think that's a verse that we can all live by. Whether it's um, in our education, our uh, place of employment, in our neighborhoods, and our friends, we need to have that attitude that we can stand up for right when it's right because it's right. Because we fear God and not because we fear, and we don't fear men. We don't fear what they'll say and what they'll do if they'll mock. But we fear God and what he can do. Um, and so then he goes and says, Behold, I can, can you suppose that the Lord will spare you and come out in judgment against the Lamanites when it is the tradition of their fathers that has caused their hatred? Um, but, but you are rebelling. So again, he's, he's accusing Pahoran, thinking it's Pahoran, of rebelling. Uh, this reminds me of a quote from President Nelson. He said, more or less, I might be paraphrasing this some, but that uh, good inspiration is based on good information. Uh, or good revelation is based on good in- information, something like that. So he, Moroni here only has part of the information. And so his righteous anger and indignance is, is justified. It's just not full. It's not complete. He doesn't have the full picture here. Um, and, but what he is saying is right. They are rebelling and it's not Pahoran. And we'll see that. And Pahoran takes it, like I said, and twists it. But the reason, remember, I, I mentioned this in, I think the uh, overview chapter or uh, episode of this, of this week. And that is, this is the promised land we're talking about. And it's the iniquity of the Nephites that led them to these problems all the time. Because when they don't keep the commandments, they were cut off from the presence of God and they did not no longer had his power to uphold them. So when they start losing the cities and the and the chief captains back in the end of chapter 59 were doubting that because of the wickedness of the people, it's because they're seeing that if we're losing, that means God is not with us. If we're losing, that means we're no longer being upheld. And if we're not being upheld, that's because of our actions, our iniquity, and we were being cut off. Uh, 
And so they had been, they had broken the nat, this national covenant. And what the Lord is trying to do is chasing them and get them, drive them back. And so what, that's what Moroni is doing to Pahoran. Again, it's misplaced and it, and Pahoran takes that, redirects it to the right people. But it is justified in that these people who were in Zarahemla were causing a national sin. They, uh, we as people are, are immortal. Um, meaning, and when I say that, what I mean is our spirit will go on forever and we will all be resurrected and into the eternities, eternities. A nation is not a nation who has made a covenant with God has to be punished in this life. That's what's going to happen to this, to a nation that, that does that. On the other hand, individual people, they may get away with it, but in the judgment day, the individuals will be judged. Uh, but what's happening to the Nephites right here is they had, they are transgressing this national covenant that was started with the, being a promised land and with Lehi and with even the Jaredites, even before that, that if you kept the commandments, they would be prospered in the land. And they, they're breaking that covenant. And Moroni is ticked. So Pahoran gets this message and he, I mean... So this is from Elder David A. Bednar, and it's about being offended. And this is, it's a choice. And Pahoran recognizes the valiant nature of Moroni's spirit and what he's fighting for is God, is for freedom. And that's what he's fighting for too. It would have been really easy for him to say, man, I don't like this guy, forget that. But instead he takes Moroni's anger and rage and justified anger and rage, I should say even, and responds to him and says, I get it. I'm with you. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do because here's the situation. Here's who we need to be mad at. The elder Bednar said, we, when we believe or say that we have been offended, we usually mean we feel insulted, mistreated, snubbed, or disrespected. And surely Pahoran could have felt those things. And certainly clumsy, embarrassing, and unprincipled, mean-spirited things do occur in our, in our interactions with other people that would allow us to take offense. However, it ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to offend me. Indeed, believing that another person offended us is fundamentally false. To be offended is a choice we make. It is not a condition inflicted or or imposed upon us by someone or something else. Through the strengthening power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, you and I can be blessed to avoid and triumph over uh, offense. Great peace have they, uh, which... Love the law, and nothing shall offend them. That's Psalm 119. As described by Elder Nelly Maxwell, the church is not a well-provisioned rest home for the already perfect, perfected. Rather, the church is a learning laboratory and workshop in which we gain experience as we practice on each other in the ongoing process of perfecting the saints. Elder Maxwell also insightfully explained that in this latter-day learning laboratory known as the Restored Church, the members constitute the clinical material. That is essential for growth and development. You and I cannot control the intentions or behavior of other people. However, we do determine how we will act. Please remember that you and I are agents endowed with moral agency and we can choose not to be offended. Um, that, I think, is a great summary of the way that Bahoran responds in chapter 61. He chose not to be offended. He chose to take it and use it proactively and in a positive way. If someone says, and I'm sh- and surely someone will, and probably even someone in a leadership position, an elder scorn president or leaf society president or counselor, 
a bishop, member of the stake presidency, someone will say something or do something that you take offense, that it would be easy to take offense to, that it would be easy to be, to feel snubbed. Please choose Christ. Choose to apply the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ to them as well as you. Recognize and acknowledge that they are imperfect. Pray for healing for yourself and for them, even if they don't even know what they've done. Especially, maybe, if they don't know what they've done. Pray for you to be given a spirit of peace and a comfort and of forgiveness for them, to them, towards them. Always choose Christ. Never let the words or actions of another dictate your actions. Never let the words or actions or behaviors of another person keep you from partaking of the sacrament when we return to church or participating fully in your in your elders corner or relief society meetings that that's the true damage and you control it completely pahoran recognizes that and he turns and he pivots and he uh says look here's what's happening i get it i love that you are angry about this because I am too. I love that you are, have the spirit of freedom because I have it too. We've been kicked out. So what's happened is these, these king men came back up and they said, yeah, we're going to not send anything. We're going to make sure nothing gets sent. And they took over Zarahemla and they wrote a letter to Amron, the king of the Lamanites and said, we'll keep Zarahemla. You win the battle and the war. You just let us uh, be a king over Zarahemla when it's all over. And uh, we will help you from inside the Nephite capital. They'd kicked out the free men, kicked out Bahorn. Bahorn didn't know what to do, if it was justified or not, to go to battle against them. The civil war in the middle of a war, is that the right thing to do? But in Moroni's letter, Moroni had said, the inner vessel must be cleansed first. You have to clean it. Before we can beat the Lamanites, we have to keep our covenant to God, and that starts with us cleansing the inner vessel. And that answer is a question. So again, Prohorn could have missed that had he been offended, had he taken offense, had he been hurt. He could have missed the lesson that was there, the truth in Moroni's letter. The truth in Moroni's letter was, we have to cleanse. And so Prohorn writes him back and says, come to me, gather all the power and troops that you can and on your way, and we will go and we will take back Zerahemla and we will put down this evil and put down these kingmen. And that's what they do. So in chapter 62, that's what we'll get into, but... Um, Ezra Taft Benson said, All is not well in Zion. As Moroni counseled, we must cleanse the inner vessel, beginning first with ourselves, with then with our families, and then finally with our church. We can't cleanse the vessel of someone who offends us. We have to cleanse ours and our families. And in so doing, eventually, maybe we'll be able to cleanse that, that hurt and that pain. What can we do in a crazy, chaotic world where people are burning cities in America down and rioting and looting? What can we do in a world where there's just chaos all around from on the news and everything and where people disagree about every little detail about life and about government and masks and whatever? What do we do? What can you do? Cleanse the inner vessel. That's what we can do. Make our homes, make your home the finest home. Teach the gospel. Live the gospel. Look at life and world events through a gospel lens. Who should we be looking to? What leader should we look to? Look to Helaman. Look to Moroni. Look to President Nelson, the prophet of God. I've told this story before. This comes from John H. Groberg 
I'll summarize it. He was a missionary in the Philippine or the Polynesian islands. He was a district leader, had to go and get a sick missionary off of an island, take them to a bigger island where there was a little better, better health care. They left the little island late. It was dark. A storm came up. There was a small break in the reef where they had to get into the, into the safety of the harbor at this island. It's, it was uh, marked by a small little light. Waves were crashing. It's raining. It's pitch black. No one can see it. They think they're, they know that they're getting close. They're going to crash into the reef and die. The, the people on the boat are, are losing it, going hysterical, Elder Groberg said. You know, some saying, if I think I see it over here on the left. Some saying, I think I see it on the right. Elder Groberg looked at the eyes of that seasoned veteran captain, and in his native language, the captain uttered under his breath, there is the light. Elder Groberg looks over the, over the bow of the boat, looking for the light. He can't see. He says, I can't see the light. I look back at the captain. But I knew he could see the light. And they, with people still shouting left here and there, go left, go right, a swell of a wave pushes them with one last uh, shove into the uh, opening of the reef and into the safety of the harbor. The captain could see the light when no one else could. The prophet can see the light. We can make our home the finest home. It's how we can avoid taking offense. It's how we can uh, navigate and understand and, and hear the word of the Lord in this chaotic time. Sometimes we not, might not be able to hear it. Today, um, Elder and Sister Vincent of the so Elder Vincent's of the seventy, they're from Australia, but they uh, served in Ghana for a while. Uh, we had a, a state conference here digitally. And they spoke, and Sister Vincent told a story of when Elder Bednar came to Ghana, was speaking to these missionaries, and they were in a chapel, and uh, the chapel there has a tin roof, metal roof, and it started, a, a, a big rainstorm came, and it was pounding on the roof. And no matter how lo- loud the Elder Bednar spoke into a microphone, it just, you couldn't hear him. And sometimes that's going to happen in life. Sometimes, no matter what we do, there are just times where that's going to happen. It's part of life. It's part of having to have choose faith. Because if we could, all, if we always had a clear connection, if it was always just fine tuned and there was never any static in our radio connection between us and heaven, then faith would would not be nearly as, as important. But we have to sometimes choose faith, right? And in those times, what we can do, look at the captain, look at his face, and he'll say, "There is the light." We might not be able to see the light. It might be a midnight of our life. But we can know that he does. We can know that President Nelson, that the Quorum of the Twelve, that they see the light and that they are guiding us. And Pahoran, he knew that and understood that. And rather than take offense, he took the lesson and was was encouraged by the strength of, of Moroni's love for his country and freedom. Uh, and so in chapter 62 and 63, we'll finish out the story. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoy this week's study. Uh, please share your thoughts. Uh, Webster at gmail.com. Come follow me at Disciples Journey on Facebook, on Instagram. I, I love hearing your thoughts and insights. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I hope you'll join me on the final episode of this week uh, as we discuss chapters 62 and 63.